If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 551. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back in the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook. Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. Support the show by going to McClanahanAcademy.com. Always free to enroll. Get a free class when you do enroll. Ten Myths of American History. And you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. You get on that email list. I send you coupons. I've got a great coupon, 30% off right now. We're almost to Black Friday. This deal is going to expire really soon, right? I mean, it expires November 30th. So if you haven't jumped on board, you need to do it now. Also... You can support the show by clicking on that support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Throw a few pennies my way. Go to anchor.fm. You can support the show there. You can become a monthly subscriber at anchor.fm, which is essentially Spotify. You can also uh, support the show by clicking on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. They make great holiday gifts. Only about a month left to Christmas, so you want to be getting those gifts if you can. Make sure you're doing that. And as always, share the podcast around on social media. Rate it, review it, subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. It's on all major podcast platforms. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. Send me those show requests. I do like to read those. I may not respond back to you, but I do appreciate the uh, the requests. And I appreciate the kind words. I mean, we're coming coming up on you know, the end of the year, and it's a time of thanks and and appreciation. And I just want to say, as we're getting to that period, and and I'll say this again tomorrow. You know, thank you for everybody that listens to this show, and and uh, you do make this possible. And thank you for everyone that purchases the McClanahan Academy classes and all the things that you do to keep this podcast going. And uh, it's my, it's really my honor to do this for you. Um, and uh, I, I appreciate all the support. So let me talk about the topic of the day, and it's the vice presidency, right? Um, so we have Chris Siliza at uh, CNN not very happy about the vice presidency right now. And let me, let me preface this before I get into Kamala Harris because Kamala Harris is a disaster. Now, back in March of, of 2019, I predicted, I think it was March 2019. Maybe it was March 20. No, it was March 2019. March 2019, I think it was, or maybe it was March 2020. I can't remember now. All the, all the marches are running together. We've got... Uh, We've got uh, COVID. I guess it was March 2019 because we're getting the primary season. I predicted that Joe Biden needed to either select Stacey Abrams, so I thought he would pick, or Kamala Harris. It was the only way they could do it. You see, Biden had to appeal to the woke, the woke left, the new left of the Democrat Party. It's the only way he was going to do it. But Kamala Harris is a disaster. I mean, the woman couldn't even poll over 0% on her own. She was a quote-unquote presidential candidate, but she was out so early. Nobody liked her. Everybody everybody knows she's not genuine. She's only gotten to where she is, allegedly, from some pretty uh, uh, salacious things. I mean, this is 
she is a bad candidate, a bad vice president. She's bad. And in some ways, maybe it was ingenious for Biden to pick her because I, maybe he thought, he knew she's so bad, she's not going to be a threat overall. That getting her is going to mean we can jettison her because she's so awful and she'll never, this is going to kill her political aspirations. She's done after this. She's awful. And maybe Biden's smarter than people give him credit for in doing that. He's already said he's going to run in 2024. He's not backing down. Now, in 2020, he said, I'm going to run one term, then I'm going to step aside. Joe Biden always wanted to be president. He always wanted to be president. He became president. This is, this is his defining moment. This is what he's going to stick on his head. I, I can guarantee you, when he dies, uh, Joe Biden is going to make sure that he has an eternal flame out front of his headstone. He's got something. I mean, it, it is a grand, grand uh, monument to his greatness of his political career, wherever that, wherever he gets buried, that's what's going to happen. Whether it's in uh, uh, Wilmington or whether it's in uh, you know the Sussex County, Delaware, wherever he is ultimately buried, you're going to see Joe Biden with a huge, huge monument because, and it's going to say, "You former President Joe Biden." Vice President's going to list all of his political accomplishments on it. Guarantee it. Mark my words. In stark contrast to Thomas Jefferson, who had all those things too, who didn't list any of that. Think about where we've gotten. Jefferson didn't want to be president. Washington didn't want to be president. And John Adams didn't want to be president. I mean, really, Madison, Monroe, these people didn't want to be president. John Adams writes to John Quincy Adams and John Quincy Adams wins the presidency. No man who has ever held the office would congratulate another on attaining it. It was awful. Washington said it was like going to his execution. This is, I mean, this is the way we should think about the presidency, not something that you shut down an entire state when you want to go walk on the boardwalk. Well, that's what happens when Joe Biden goes to Delaware. So we've got this entirely distorted view of the presidency, and that has filtered down to the vice presidency, which is an irrelevant office. Again, we'll quote John Adams. I mean, I'm not going to quote him directly, I'll paraphrase, but a miserable office where you do nothing. You do nothing. That was the whole point, right? When the Constitution was going through ratification, there were some questions about the vice presidency. Well, is this blending the executive and the legislative too much? Is this vice presidency going to have control over the Senate and then therefore will control the general government? It was argued, no, 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 no. The vice president is pretty much irrelevant. And he was. I mean, John Adams would read the newspaper in the Senate chamber. He would, he would interject at times. He would do some things. But he couldn't do anything else. In fact, the president pro temp has more power than the vice president. So the vice president really has one job, and that is to break ties in the Senate. President of the Senate, one job. That's it. That's the vice president's job. And if the president can't do what the president's supposed to do, if the president's incapacitated, the vice president becomes assumes those powers. But otherwise, the vice president should be at home. So Kamala Harris should be in California all the time, hanging out in California, doing nothing. We shouldn't be sending her to the border, worrying about foreign trips or any of this other stuff that somehow the vice president's been roped into doing 
The vice president really is the most irrelevant position in the general government. It always has been, it always should be, and it always should and always will be. There should be a should in front of that will. It should be irrelevant. In fact, when the first vice president assumed office, John Tyler in 1841, William Henry Harrison dies. John Tyler is at home playing marbles, shooting marbles with his kids, and they ride up horse. Uh, hey, William Henry Harrison is uh, not going to make it. You got to get to D.C. So he comes to D.C. from Virginia. He was at home. He wasn't in Washington. Who cared? Who wanted to be there? But no, now we have the vice president's residence. And of course, that's been completely remodeled because it's, you know, horrible. Again, it didn't suit Kamala Harris. So we've got to do that. And so now we have this vice presidency that's been elevated to a position higher than any. I mean, she, she is treated like the president. She's the vice president and she has no power. She's irrelevant. She should be in California. But this, uh, this piece by Chris uh, Siliza gets into the problems in the Biden administration. The headlines have been brutal, he says, exacerbation and dysfunction. Inside Kamala Harris's frustrating start as vice president, read one from CNN. Biden's successor chatter grows, grows and Harris isn't scaring off anyone, read another from Politico. And this from the New York Post. Kamala Harris sidelined amid growing tensions with Biden insiders, say. So there's tension with Biden. And, uh, it, uh, and it gets into this. Last week, or two weeks ago, I should say, two weeks ago, uh, Jen uh, Pocky, because it's like palms, Glenn, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, um, Jen Pocky, tweeted that the president has full confidence in the vice president at 9 o'clock at night on a Sunday, right? On a Sunday. So that's, that is a huge red flag. The Biden administration does not like Kamala Harris. The American public does not like Kamala Harris. Nobody really likes Kamala Harris. She's stupid. She's terrible. She's not genuine. She's awful. So as CNN wrote over the weekend, worn out by what they see as entrenched dysfunction and lack of focus, Key West wing aides have largely thrown up their hands at Vice President Kamala Harris and her staff, deciding there simply isn't time to deal with them right now, especially at a moment when President Joe Biden faces quickly multiplying legislative and political concerns. Bad headlines are part and parcel for any administration and the role of vice president, particularly for someone like Harris, who is widely seen as eyeing the top job. Is notoriously uh, widely seen. Yeah, she's like always in the shadows, kind of hanging back, ready for Joe to drop at any minute. I mean, she wants it, right? This is this is her this is her chance. She wants it. She would uh, she would love to assume the office. She would love to assume the office. And, I mean, this is, this is the point. Kamala Harris is the embodiment of the modern vice presidency, the heir apparent, the guy waiting in the wings. It wasn't seen that way. Yes, John Adams was vice president, became president. Thomas Jefferson was vice president, became president. Then it took some time. Then we had secretary of state in that role. Now, of course, Martin Van Buren, you know, I mean, 
But we had Secretary of State generally in that role for a time. And that was seen as a pathway of the presidency. The Secretary of State, not the vice president. Not the vice president. So he continues, but these series of stories have quickly struck a nerve in the White House as evidenced by the decision to issue a statement from Press Secretary Jen Psaki Sunday night expressing confidence in Harris. For anyone who needs to hear it, VP is not only a vital partner to POTUS, but a bold leader who has taken on key important challenges facing the country from voting rights to addressing root causes of migration to expanding broadband. Yeah. I mean, taking on that border crisis. I'll get to the border <laughs> someday. Go to Europe first, then you might get to the border. Joe Biden drove through it one time when he was on Campaign's campaigning. I mean, these people—you can't even make up the just the the sheer stupidity of all these people involved, and they do it with a straight face, which is just absolutely hilarious. Consider that Pocky sent this tweet on Sunday at 9.20 p.m. Not exactly normal business hours. Then consider that needing to put out a tweet insisting that everything is totally fine between the president and the vice president suggests that things are not, well, totally fine. Smart people don't need, need to tell you how smart they are. Athletic people don't need to brag about their achievements on the field. And solid relationships don't need to be publicly asserted as solid. So why did the White House feel the need to respond? Was it Biden or someone else close to him wanting to shore up Harris? Or was it the Harris team concerned at what these headlines meant for her, both in the moment and in 2024-2028, that asked for a vote of confidence? I think there is something to Harris. Harris is afraid. Look, this is her chance. If she is blasted out of the way, and she could be, right? I mean, they could replace her. She's so bad. They could say, look, you're out. We're not going to have you as vice president. Nobody likes you. We need somebody else. We need Governor Abrams in here. We made an incorrect choice. We should have picked Governor uh, Georgia Governor Abrams over uh, over uh, Kamala Harris for uh, for Vice President because that, that would have been better. I mean, we, we made a we made a bad decision. Maybe they get rid of her. Maybe they take her off. That this is this is her chance. And if she flubs this up, which she's doing every single day because she's incapable. I mean, this is the Peter principle. She's reached the highest level of her competency, which is, I mean, she's reached that a long time ago. But this is the Peter principle. So she's made it. She's she's gotten to this point, and she shows how incompetent she really is. I mean, sitting there saying, "Well, you know, uh, can you talk about how trees, the disparity in trees? This is just so stupid." She is, she is completely an, an empty head, right? So the point is, they could get rid of her, and she knows that that could happen, and her political career is over. Nobody's going nobody's gonna to support her at that point. Nobody's going to, uh, to uh, buy on to a Harris candidacy in 2024 or 2028 if the Biden administration gets rid of her. It's not going to happen. Either way, the fact that the White House felt the need to respond to Harris's recent run of negative press speaks to the fact that they too are A, aware of it, and B, worried about it. If they weren't, no statement would be necessary. Now, again, the vice presidency should be irrelevant. 
We shouldn't even be talking about Kamala Harris. Unless she's casting a tie-breaking vote in the Senate. That's the only time she should be brought up. That's it. I mean, we know that other vice presidents, you know, when Calhoun was vice president, he, he um, took his role as president of the Senate seriously. So did Thomas Jefferson. In fact, the entire rules of the Senate were essentially written by Jefferson. And uh, Calhoun updated those things. But, I mean, this is, that's the role that she really has. But no, not for her. See, the role of the vice president now is kind of like uh, either co-president. That's how Biden sold it co-presidency, but we knew that wasn't really the case. Joe Biden wasn't going to agree to that. Joe Biden couldn't stand Kamala Harris. This is the woman that called him a racist on stage. And he looked shocked. What? What are you doing? Huh? And then, of course, people forget about this. Very quickly, they've forgotten about this, that Joe Biden had to scramble for a while because he was friends with Southern senators during his time in the Congress. And he wouldn't throw them under the bus. And so, you know, he was just called a, a racist Kamala Harris directly called him a racist and said, I was, I was one of those people that was bust. And you voted against that. Oh. And, you know, Biden, the Biden from that period of time, the Biden from the 1970s and the 1980s, uh, the Biden that was more conservative on some social issues than the Biden now, of course, he's going to be, I mean, from the modern woke wing of the Democrat Party, they're going to rake him over the coals for that. But, of course, he would, that was seen to appeal. Now, what he's done in an office is he's moved to the left. He's gone as far to the left as he can because he thinks that's where he's going to win. What's being shown, of course, is that that won't win. The left, the progressive left, makes up about 6% of the American voting public. 6%. And they don't carry a lot of weight outside of the courts. So the fact that they got a lot of weight in the media and they, got a, they hit above their, their uh, weight in the media, and of course in pop culture, but that's it. Otherwise, they don't at all. He continues, remember that when Biden ran for president, he purposely cast himself as sort of a bridge candidate for Democrats, holding the office until some of the party's younger stars, several of whom ran against him, were ready to take the mantle of leadership. Look, I view myself as a bridge, not as anything else, Biden said in March 2020 as he campaigned with Harris, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, and Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. There's an entire generation of leaders you saw stand behind me. They're the future of this country. When you look at that group, I mean, good gosh, I hope not. Harris, Booker, Whitmer? Michigan Governor Whitmer, who has now been, I mean, shown to be a complete liar, a fraud. Cory Booker, Spartacus, Kamala Harris, a fraud. I mean, this is what we've got. Frauds. Frauds and dopes. Joe Biden's horrible. I mean, don't get me wrong. We've got even worse behind him. This is, this is awful. This is why decentralization is the only way forward. It really is. For the left or the right. I mean, because the, right, the, the left could point to the dopes that are usually parading around on the right, too. The Republicans, the quote-unquote right. A lot of these people are dopes. And yet, I mean, that's the future of the Republicans. The parties are bankrupt, they're horrible, they're corrupt. I mean, it's all awful, which is why decentralization is the only thing that can save the United States. Real federalism, going back to the states, these kind of things, this is it. When Biden picked Harris as his vice president, the message was clear. She was the future of the party. <laughs> yeah, 
The future of the party, the woman that got 0% in the Democrat primary. The future of the party, though. Two things have happened since then. One, Biden has said publicly and privately that he plans to run for a second term in 2024 when he is in his early 80s. Now, that could change if his poll numbers continue to be what they are. I mean, look, Biden's in the 30 percent. Inflation is not going to get any better in the next three years. In fact, it's only going to get worse. He's going to have some real serious issues. Now, I don't think the Republicans are going to come in and save the day because they vote for massive spending, too. They do. There's no talk of doing anything that's going to correct inflation in the Republican Party. That's not going to happen. But, of course, they're going to use it against Biden. So he's going to have some real serious issues, I think, in 2024. And he's not going to be able to get over them. And I think the Republicans are going to smash the Democrats in the 2022 election. Doesn't mean anything's going to get any better, but this is what's going to happen. And so, uh, and that's, that's typical. I mean, it, it happens. Presidents lose Congresses. Number two, Harris has stumbled, whether though the tough assignments given to her by Biden or by her own struggles to serve as second in command. She's not really second in command. She's not really second in command at all. This is where we have this distorted view of the vice presidency. No one should be even talking about Kamala Harris. In fact, it would be best for her if she took the traditional role of vice president and just kind of disappeared. That would actually be best. She's not second in command. She doesn't work for Joe Biden. She's vice president, president of the Senate. She's independent, really. But she doesn't work for Joe Biden. And she only has one constitutional task. Otherwise, she should be in California doing nothing. That bridge that Biden envisioned then is shaky. And as Pocky's tweet makes clear, the White House knows it. I think anybody with a brain can see that Biden's chances in 2024 are dwindling by the day. And that Kamala Harris has no shot in 2024 or 2028. None. I mean... Look, none. Unless it's just, I'm going to vote for D or I'm going to vote for R. Unless they can also, you know, have some mail-in voting systems in place. So this is interesting. I think it's it shows where we are in 2021 that and where we've taken the vice presidency way outside of the original intent of the founding generation. Way outside of that. And uh, that is really part of the problem in America. It's why I wrote a book, Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America. Well, I mean, the vice presidency, the expansion of the vice presidency is also part of that. The way we think about the presidency, the way we think about executive government, the way we think about American government is completely distorted in America. It's, it's not even close to what the founding generation preferred, which was a federal republic, which I talked about yesterday, a Federal Republic of States, a limited executive. I mean, for all the problems of Henry Clay, one of the things he was at least trying to do was rein in the power of the executive branch. Now, John Tyler was using it the way it was intended, but this was, the Whig Party was created because Andrew Jackson, they thought, was too aggressive as president. He was doing things illegal, and he was, right? I mean, the, the sacking of Nicholas Biddle, essentially, uh, and the sacking of the Bank of the United States was illegal the way that he did it. Jackson was acting in an illegal manner. And so the Whig Party, and of course 
the, the first use of that term Whig was in South Carolina by the nullifiers. You said Jackson is King Andrew. We get, we're the Whigs. We're against the king. He's the Tory, right? So that whole idea of resisting executive power was is a core principle of America. And yet here we have a situation. We got second in command. We got the president, commander in chief. He's my commander in chief, even if not in the middle. It's not true. I mean, all this stuff, the distortion of the American government is just is complete. Hamilton was right. I'll say this. In June of 1787, when he stood up and gave his speech in favor of a of a king, essentially, he said, look, we're going to get there eventually. Might as well just skip over the heartache and go for it. He was right about it. He was right about it. Uh, it's not what we designed, but he was right about it. So you can at least say he was on the, I mean, he was at least being honest there um, in what we were eventually going to get. George Mason called an elected king the worst kind of despotism, essentially, and that's what we have in America. And we, the way we elevate the vice presidency to something it's not, again, is highly problematic for the future of American government. All right. Hope you enjoyed this show. Get my American presidents class if you want to get a scoop on all the presidents. It's great. And I'll see you tomorrow on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.